Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's special episode of TCCP is none other than Leicestershire and former Lancashire all-rounder Aaron Lilly. So Aaron, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how has your day been so far? Yeah, I mean, probably a little bit better than um, you guys in the UK. I'm um, I'm over in Dubai at the minute for a couple of months training, um, yeah, trying to get fit and stuff, ready for the season. Um, I've actually had my first hit of 2023 today and a bit of a bowl, so yeah, it's been pretty good. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's very good to hear, Aaron, and obviously thank you for, for coming on to the podcast today, taking some time out of your busy schedule and just before we get into our, our main conversation really just for the sake of the Leicestershire fans tuning in to today's podcast how has the off-season been going for you personally over these past few months? Yeah um, like I said Leicester have been really good with me um, let me come overseas to do a bit of training and work on um, things outside obviously pre-Christmas it's, it's rather chilled um, we get we get to do a bit of fitness stuff for a couple of weeks before we break up for Christmas, um, and a couple of lads usually do like a, a bit of one to one stuff if they want it, and then it obviously gears up um, when we come back after New Year. I think the lads are actually back in on Monday, um, so they'll they'll be pretty full on now for probably five six weeks till half term in Feb, and then obviously kick on then till March time. If there is a pre-season or whatever, um, we, don't, we don't know yet. So we'll, we'll just like working towards that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been working quite hard on fitness uh, pre-Christmas. And like you say, I've had a couple of bowls. I, I did a bit of work with the Lions um, when they were over here bowling and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a good experience. Good. Well, that is absolutely fantastic to hear, Aaron. And obviously wishing you all the best over in Dubai until the start of that, that next schedule, I suppose, the next programme in the pre-season lead-up to the 2023 county season. We're, what, 90 days away now? That's come by so, so quickly. And, yeah, yeah, 2023 should be another fantastic year for us here in England and Wales, enjoying all three of the county competitions. But just for the new listeners out there who don't quite know how the County Cricket Podcast actually works, today I'm going to be talking to Aaron all about his critting journey. So we'll start with the early days, then a large chunk of the podcast. We'll centre around the likes of Lancashire and Leicestershire County Cricket Club, and then we'll end today's discussion with a chat about the future. But Aaron, before we get into all of that good stuff then, we jump the proverbial gun. I want to take it all the way back to the origins of the Aaron Lilly cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game? Um, well, my... My dad used to play a little bit, um, first team and second team stuff locally. Uh, literally, we lived about, well, I grew up about, it would have been 10, 15 minute walk to the nearest cricket club. So, we, I mean, we was always there, whether it was my dad training or whatever. Um, I, both my grandparents both played, granddads, uh, they both played cricket. They actually opened bowling for the same side, um, Michalurst in, um, in Mosley. Um, so yeah, I grew up obviously playing there. I think I probably first held a cricket bat when I was probably five or six or something like that. Um, it was obviously drilled into me. 
and then yeah i mean i worked my way up through age groups at michaelhurst um i'd have played under 13 under 15 under 17 second team into the first team and then i think i was i would have been 19 i think and i moved to our nearest rivals delft uh, where i spent 10 years club cricket there so yeah it was it's pretty pretty drilled in really from family ties and stuff like that um to, to actually i mean i played a little bit of football as well but um kind of knew I was a bit better at cricket than I was at football so I spent more time with that and thankfully so who knows you could have been on a football <laughs> football podcast today instead of here at TCCP but as you mentioned very much a a family connection to the game and that is fantastic to hear it really is I always love those kind of stories and that journey that pathway into the game of cricket itself but aside from those family links so obviously your granddads would have had a huge influence your dad as well pretty much drilling cricket into you from an early age. Who in the professional game really had an impact on you in those formative years? Did you have any idols, any icons, any role models, I suppose, in those uh, early years who you tried to look up to, personally? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I watched quite a lot of cricket growing up uh, when I got to the age where I was watching TV um, with parents are on my own. It's probably the same as most, I reckon. It, you, you get your main couple, like Warren, Flintoff, types of people like obviously being from Lancashire as well uh Freddie was massive icon growing up um but yeah I mean them two I, I, when I get asked that question I usually say Shane Warren or Fred Flintoff uh, so yeah it's probably them two well both legends of the game unfortunately Shane Warren no longer with us but his legacy is just unparalleled isn't it in the game of cricket, 708 test wickets, the second all-time leading test wicket taker. And as I mentioned, a legend for the rest of time, one of the greatest to ever play the game of cricket. And in terms of those two, Aaron, I'm, I'm guessing that you will have seen some great Ashes matchups between those two. Did the 2005 Ashes have a particular <coughs> influence on those yeah, days as well? I think, obviously, I, I'd have been 14 then. When 2005, actually, and I actually remember we, I was in Spain visiting a granddad, and we watched the first two at home. And then we was I think it was the third test we was in Spain um, with the parents, and we watched it all like five days straight. Um, and yeah, it was just it's enthralling, really. It was it's just great to watch. Like I say, it was just competitive, and both sides were obviously had great great teams um, and they both just went at it and it was it's great to watch and obviously that passion and competitiveness gets you really up for things and that's what I that's how I like to play my sport so yeah it was really good to watch. Well it's interesting you mentioned that actually because I do ask this question quite a lot when it comes to professional cricketers on the podcast but what do you say does drive you on a cricket field what is the motivation to you know get up every single day and pursue this dream that you've had all of these years? I think, obviously, the main aim is, well, a couple of main aims, is to play for England uh, <clears throat> in any format, really. Um, and, obviously, to win trophies, whether that's at Pinnacle with England or whether that's with um, County Side Leicester now that I'm with or whether it's with club cricket as well. Like I said, I mean, I enjoy playing all, all types of cricket. I mean, I enjoy playing.
playing with the lads at Leicester. I enjoy playing club cricket because I feel like I give it my all. I'm passionate. I have a laugh. Like I can be a bit of a class clown at times, but when it when it matters, I'm I know that I'm drilled in and I'm I'm ready to play and my competitive side takes over. Absolutely, and so we can have a bit more of a conversation about that that competitive side in a professional environment as the podcast gets a little bit underway because that is a fascinating aspect of the game of cricket. It is definitely nice and mental is cricket in comparison to other sports that we enjoy here in the UK. But just going back onto the ashes before we do have that conversation about county crickets and we start with Lancashire and then go on to Leicestershire. Just heading back to that 2005 Ashes series because this is the first podcast of 2023. It's tradition here to to ask this question really at TCCP. But Aaron, if you could go back in time and relive just one day, one day from that immortal series between England and Australia, which day would you select and why? Um, I think probably the day when Fred bowled the over at Ponting, was it? At Edgebaston. Yeah, I think that would probably be the day that, I mean, that was serious. I think we was actually in Spain that that one of them days. So I think I, I remember that a little bit more fondly than the other days kind of thing. But yeah, I think I, I, I can just imagine being in a slip corner or like being at mid on, mid off, you know, just being, it's been so intense. And I mean, he bowled, what, seven deliveries because there was an old ball, weren't there, in one of them. And it was just literally amazing. It was so intense, brilliant. It really was. And for those who haven't seen that over, Get on YouTube right now. Just watch that over from Freddie Flintsoff to Ricky Ponting. In your opinion, Aaron, is it the is it the best over you've ever seen? I mean, for me, it's got to be up there. It really has. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, people get hat tricks and stuff like that in well, Test cricket one day, T Twenty. But I mean, like I said, that is the pinnacle of Test cricket, and Fred was obviously on top of his game in two thousand five Ashes. So yeah, I mean, I think that was up there with one of the best days of test cricket. Definitely. And in terms of that series as a whole, remarkable. The the impact, the legacy that that series has had on cricket here in this country continues to be seen to this very day. So many cricketers remember watching that series and being inspired. Yeah, we'll be talking about the 2005 Ashes for many, many more years to come. I've absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. And fingers crossed 2023 can have the same influence on the next generation. Would be lovely if we could win, wouldn't it, Aaron? Yeah. Uh, it's about time, isn't it? Playing some great cricket at the minute and obviously Stokes and McCullum have got the boys playing some interesting but very good cricket. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some good, great up-and-coming cricketers coming through the ranks now and lads that performed on the county circuit getting chances. So I think we've got a very good chance. We have indeed, and obviously from everyone involved at the Counter Cricket Podcast, wishing England all the very best of luck heading into the Ashes this summer. No doubt we'll probably do some shows for it, but that really does have the makings of an enthralling series between England and Australia. Baz Ball versus Pat Cummins and the Aussies. Yeah, very much looking forward to it, to say the least. But Aaron, we've spoken there actually about the likes of Freddie Flintoff. So, obviously, a Lancashire legend. We've spoken about a number of players who came up through the county circuit, and I think that brings me nicely onto our next segments of the chat, which details your journey in county cricket. So, in terms of those formative years, what were your first kind of encounters 
with the county circuit in a playing regard. How did you first get into that, that Lancashire pathway? Well, I actually started when I was, uh, I'd have been 11, 12 playing club cricket. I, I was actually a seamer um, and I went for like local Tameside trials, um, which is the one like below Lancashire stuff. Um, and the coach was like, oh, you, you're not going to be tall enough to bowl seam up. You're going to have to change kind of thing. And I was like, all right. Well, I mean, I'm six foot two now, so I've probably been all right kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went, I started bowling off spin and it was literally, it, it was, it felt so natural to me. Uh, bowled really well. And actually Chris Tipu was, was talking about before the club cricket stuff. He was there because he played a bit of Lancashire age group stuff. Um, and yeah, it just went from there really. I went for trials under 13s lengths, um, basically bowled 20 over straight as a under, under I was 12 going for 13s trials, uh, bowled really well. Um, the coach was Rudra Singh at the time. Uh, and my dad actually, I'd played against him quite a bit in league cricket. Uh, Rudra was a, uh, top, top player in his day. Um, and he said, uh, we'll let you know in the next couple of weeks if, you, if you're on. And on the way home, my, my dad got a phone call saying, yeah, he's, he's in. I mean, it was quite surreal for me, obviously, a 12-year-old going for trials, the age group above. But yeah, it was it was really good. And the experience I had, the lads were great. Like, obviously, we was young then. And I just basically made my, made my way up through the age groups, really, with Lancashire. Um, played a bit of North of England stuff. And then I got to the kind of the age group stops at I think like 17s, close to academy um, slash scholarship stuff. And I actually I think I got in the academy the first year, and then didn't have anything. And then played like two or three second team games, and then I got offered a scholarship when Peter Moores was head coach at Lancashire. And I was, I think I was 18, 19 then. And I had a two-year scholarship deal. Um, did really well, bowled really well, scored a couple of runs. I actually was batting at like 9, 10 jack then um, in the first couple of second team games. Um, but yeah, and then from there, when I was 21, I signed my first professional contract. So very much a, a linear path then. Of progression yeah. from that age group system, second 11, and then first 11. It's a nice journey into the game that Aaron and we'll discuss your first 11 debut in due course. But before I do, I always ask this to the Lancashire players who have been through that age group setup. <laughs> Obviously, you can see the names who have come through that academy system over the years. Lancashire really do produce some phenomenal players. So I wanted to ask you, as someone who's been through that setup, who's been through that system, what is it that Lancashire do in comparison to maybe other counties, which allows them to produce such fantastic cricketers? Um, I mean, obviously, going through the coaches that I've worked with, I mean, I've worked with some amazing coaches and still I'm doing now at Leicester, I think. But what Lancashire have is obviously they have a lot of money. Uh, the facilities are obviously brilliant uh, and they've got quite a wide scale of the Northwest that they can choose from, um, which helps massively, I think. Obviously, now me being at Leicester, they've only got a small patch of 
whether it's Leicestershire or just outside of Leicestershire that they can choose players from. Um, but yeah, I think obviously Lancs have got like the likes of Cumbria, then there's like Blackpool Way, um, Witness, Wirral, you know, all them. Then there's a little bit of like North Wales kind of thing. They've got a massive patch of the country that, or the Northwest, sorry, that they can choose uh, limited play, well, limited players really, because they, they have trial days and whatever. And then obviously they can look at them through the age groups from 13 up to 17. Get them on the academy if they want. So yeah, I think I think it's more. They've got a lot more investment, and obviously facility-wise, and then like you say, the scale of players that they can pick from is obviously a lot more than the smaller counties. Should I say? It is, and to be honest, it's definitely paid off. Lanks really are producing some magnificent cricketers, and you do have to give them a lot of plaudits for doing so. And in terms of your experiences in that age group setup. Who were some of the players that you played alongside in that system? Um, well, I actually I grew up with my age groups like uh, Butler, Root, Stokes, Vince, uh, Briggs, yeah, all, all the all the main guys now. So I've and Billings, I've kind of gone down whilst they've gone up. Um, no, I mean I grew I grew up with Livis as well. We played age group stuff. He's a little bit younger, but he played a couple of years in the academy together Jordan Clark who's now at um, Surrey Alex Davis was in the academy when I was uh, with Alex Hartley as well she was in the academy with us um, yeah I mean there was yeah we've, we like I said we would have played against Stokes Root all them balanced them kind of people that um, similar age for the other counties but yeah, at Lancashire, it would have been, yeah, Livy, Alex Davis, Tom Bailey came a little bit later. Um, yeah, I mean, I've met some great friends in the journey with Lanks and through the age group stuff, and I still keep in contact with quite a few of them now. But yeah, it's been a good ride. Good. And I know that the Lanks fans tuning into today's podcast will have a nice grin on their face. After hearing that as well, no doubt, but flipping X, some of those players. Alex Davis, obviously now at my county of Warwickshire, Liam Livingston, crushing it in international cricket, getting the big money in the IPL. That is some age group system that Lancashire County Cricket Club have at their disposal. And coming through that age group system, making your way through the second 11 hour, and let's now talk about your first 11 debut, which for pretty much every single cricketer is one of the proudest moments of your entire career. So what can you remember about stepping onto that field and representing the Red Rose of Lancashire for the very first time? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a few years ago now, so I can, obviously I can remember it, but there was, it's kind of, I mean, I made my debut in the 40 overcome at Worcester. Um, there was resting Stephen Parry and I played and I remember turning up to New Road and I was like, that's short like one side of the boundary and um, it was a bit of weather about anyway we I'm sure we batted first and Tom Smith whacked whacked him to all parts literally hit him to all parts and I, I, we, we got it would have been 340 or something like that I think and then it just um, wouldn't stop raining we put it down basically um, and we didn't get on the field in the second half so 
I was kind of lucky, really, because I was thinking, hmm, if these lads that played the game a bit are getting whacked everywhere, God knows what's going to happen with me. Yeah, it uh, would have been a bit of a, a baptism of fire, wouldn't it, on yeah. those boundaries? <clears throat> I mean, as, especially like making we had time in Katic that year as overseas. It was obviously he did help me a lot when I did play in a couple of the 40 over stuff. Um, but from what I can remember from my 2020 debut, I um, Simon Kerrigan was meant, I think Simon Kerrigan was meant to play because I had Keeds or Paz. So if you think of the lads at the top, there's some great spinners there like Kerrigan, Stephen Parry, Kerrigan. Um, I was meant to play because one of Keeds or Paz were injured or something like that. And he was actually at Headingley the Roses game and um, Kegsy rang me I think it was the Thursday night we played so I think Kegsy rang me on Tuesday basically just saying that his granddad had died Um, his his granddad's funeral was on Thursday I think you're going to play just be thinking that you're going to play or you'll be in the squad I think you're going to play and then literally an hour after I had a call from Morsey basically saying you're in the squad there's every chance that you're going to play. And I got there and I remember stepping on where the Roses, T20, like making the debut. I was like, wow, it was on TV. I was like, this is amazing kind of thing. And yeah, it actually ended all right. I think I got about four overs, one for 20 or one for 21. I think I got Adil Rashid out, LBW. Um, I think it was Adil Rashid. Um, but yeah, it obviously... Stepping onto a field for my my own home county was obviously great for me and it was something that I'd aimed for since I was like say 12, 13, 14, um, looking up to the likes of Fred and Jimmy. Um, yeah, and the lads were really good like growing up uh, through the age groups were really comforting and they helped you along really, which was really good. It most certainly is, and again, Lanks a tremendously successful side, aren't they, as we'll probably discuss in due course when we talk about the Blast in 2015. But just going back to that that T20 debut at Headingley, spot on, by the way, by the way with those figures, one for 20 at Orchid LBW, so good memory there, Aaron. And uh, in terms of the game itself, a crazy game, wasn't it? I believe it was tied. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't actually remember who was in at the end, but I, I think... We, was it Crofty? I think it could have been, yeah, because I think Li- Libby played also that game and I think he, we were like seven and eight or something, or eight and nine, because uh, I think we had, it would have been, it would have been overseas, oh, I don't, wouldn't know. Um, but I remember Brownie opening the batting and like I said, we had Paz, Gareth Cross. Uh, I, th- I think even Chappie might have played. Um, but yeah, it, it was obviously because that, where I'm actually from is border Lanx Yorkshire. Um, so I've, and I play in the Huddersfield League. So I mean, I get grief every weekend because of the kind of person I am as well. I, I kind of bring it on myself, but I quite enjoy the band because it gets me into the competition side, competitive side of it. Um, but yeah, it, like I say, stepping onto the field with the lads. Um, and they they were really good. It was great. And like I say, doing it for my home county um, first up was yeah a bit surreal, really. I think that's a good way of describing it, to be honest. But again, tremendously special. 
it is a moment which stays with you for the rest of your life, making your debut for your home county. And in terms of that Roses rivalry, I just know the Lanx fans will want me to ask some questions about this, but what did that rivalry mean to you, Aaron? Stepping out onto that field, representing the Red Rose, playing against the White Rose of Yorkshire, what was it like playing in a Roses match? Because obviously, for us as fans, I'm a neutral in this. I'm a Warwickshire fan, for those who aren't aware. But obviously, for the fans, it is the game, isn't it? It's one of the biggest games of the entire season. It's on Sky Sports. It's televised. You have sold-out venues, no matter if you're in Lancashire or Yorkshire. What is it like for you to step out onto that field as a player and kind of soak in that atmosphere, that rivalry between those two historic sites? Yeah, obviously, it's a lot e- not easier. It's a lot better when you're at Old Trafford and you've got the home fans behind you. Um, but like I say, I think for me, obviously playing locally in the Huddersfield League, which is obviously Yorkshire, um, quite a few of the fans that are in there obviously either play cricket or no, you know what I mean, no, that I play cricket in there. So there was a, a lot more verbals towards me, should I say, on the because obviously I feel on the boundary as well. I mean, the, the second year I would have played there, I mean, like I fielded in front of the Western Terrace a couple of times on debut, but the year after, um, I, I, I did it. I did Cal Corner to Cal Corner. Uh, me and Libby did like and Crofty. Um, but yeah, I mean we had a couple of things from like pork pies and stuff like that. I mean yeah, it was, it was quite intense. But it's it's all good banter, like I say. The, and we're the type of t- we were the type of team to kind of give it back and give. A bit of the hush finger, or you know what I mean, have a bit of a laugh with the crowd. But yeah, it's it's all in good spirit. Exactly, that's the important thing. It's all played in good spirit, and it is a fantastic rivalry. You'd probably have to say the biggest here in the UK. Obviously, I'd love to say Bears versus Pears. It is here in the Midlands, but yeah, the Roses matches just something else, isn't it? And <laughs> in terms of those experiences over the years in a Lank shirt, this might be a difficult question actually. But uh, what do you say was your your favourite Roses match moments? From your time with the Red Rose, um, I mean, there was we played. I think it was 2015 actually when we won it. We played at Headingley, and we won off the last ball when Maxwell missed a run out opportunity. Um, I mean, the first ball of that game, Crofty ball, and I think Maxwell reverse swept him for six. And I remember me and Livy. I was at Longon, and Livy was at Cal Corner, and we looked at each other and we were like. Um, but yeah, I think because obviously we were chasing and Josh, we we lost. Uh, Livy got us to a bit of a flyer, and then I think Bresnan got a couple of wickets back. Blah blah blah. And then I was in with Josh at the end. I think it was. I think I faced like four balls or something. And I try. I remember trying to like scoop or something. A ball missed it. Got a run. And then I, there was. We needed two off two balls potentially, um, and I, we managed to scramble a one. And Josh was on strike, and I literally he came up to you just said, "Just run, no matter what, just run." And I think he, he got out of Yorker, and it literally went straight to Maxwell, who was probably seven, six, seven foot away. And if there's anyone in world cricket that you probably want the ball to go to, which I think was actually said live broadcast. Um, yeah, and he missed. And me and me and Josh just ran at each other, jumped on each other, and yeah. But it was games like that, like you say, that's why you play the game. It's 
they're the better games to play when it goes right to the end rather than, I know obviously you want it the easy way and you want to beat teams by 50, 60 runs, but that's, yeah, that's why you play the game. It is indeed, and over the years, the Roses match always delivers, doesn't it? I think back to the games this season as well, it's a ridiculously competitive encounter. And again, it's one that I want to go to one day. I haven't actually been to one yet, but definitely on the cricket bucket list, either at Old Trafford or Headingley. Yeah, I think that'd be quite a special day to say the very least. And always, Aaron talking. They always seem to bring the ropes in as well when it comes to the Just so you can see some sixes. Is that the bowler talking? Not, yeah, not too bad if I'm batting, but when I'm bowling, it's, yeah, a little bit tougher. I was going to say, <laughs> remind us what you bowl again, Aaron. Is it uh, off spin by any chance? Yeah. Try. Trying at the minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm the exact same. I'll say off spin. It's more slow bowling, to be honest. Not much turn, not many revs on the ball. But <laughs> There's not much it's... turn on the wickets nowadays. Too exactly. 100% could not agree anymore. That, that's why I'm, I'm not a county level. Just flat wickets. <laughs> terrible, terrible surfaces. No, it's not. It's because I've got no talent. But that's why I'm here on a podcast talking about crickets. Instead of playing it, fortunately, Warwickshire don't need my services anytime soon with the likes of Danny Briggs and Jake Lintot in the side. But Aaron, talking of those proud moments at Lancashire, I suppose we have to talk about one of the the proudest moments in the club's recent history, which happened in 2015, which was, of course, the T20 Blast victory. So what can you remember from that season? And in particular... What can you remember from finals day 2015? Because that must have been a tremendously special moment for both yourself and, of course, Lancashire as a county cricket club. Yeah, I mean, from the actual season, um, I mean, we had the likes of Ashwell Prince opening batting with Alex Davis. And like I said, the, the lads that we've grown up with had kind of got into this first 11 team and we, we, we knew each other's games kind of thing. So we, we had that togetherness that, and obviously, Crofty's been at Lancashire for however long. There was Carl Brown. Um, we had Joss playing on, obviously, finals day. But we had him for a couple of the games. And then we had um, James Faulkner, which for the two years that he was there, 2015 and 16, was unbelievable. Like, literally, one of the best cricketers I've ever played cricket with. Like, he'd literally run in, say, right, I'm hitting his boot. Bang, hit his boot. When he was batting, he'd go, I'm hitting this for six, bang, six. And it was just, it was mind-boggling, like, how, how good he was. But I, he kind of carried us a couple of games throughout. But obviously, that's what you pay the big bucks for, you overseas. Um, and, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I remember we arrived the Friday in Birmingham. We got coached down. Everyone was obviously happy. Finals day, bye-bye. My first finals day. Uh, no. Second, because we got there the year before and lost. Uh, but I didn't play in any of the games. Uh, Fred actually played instead of me. But yeah, we I remember just getting off the coach the morning because we were we the first or second game. Yeah, we were the first game. And everyone walking off that coach, I think, just thought we're winning it. Today's the day. We're going to win it. We just had that, like... I don't know what the word was, but we everyone just literally walked off thinking. And I remember talking to Crofty on the coach, just going, today's the day. And it's like we're taking it on kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, we obviously we started really well. We played Hampshire in the semi-final and Gav Griffiths 
made his debut and we got a couple of early wickets, did really well and then knocked it off a couple of wickets down and then it was like, right, chill time, ready for the final. I remember we wanted, I think, well, we batted first and all that and it kind of got, they got off to a bit of a flying off and Willie whacked a couple, then we got him, I thought we got him out, blah, blah, blah and then Cobby came in and whacked a couple and it was just, yeah, I remember being the last over when it was kind of done, when they couldn't win. And I was at Cal Corner in front of all the Lamp fans and Ashwell Prince was at Longhorn. He looked at me and he was actually crying, Ashwell. So I was like, well, that means that much to Ashwell, kind of, you know what I mean? This is a lot, but this is actually something to be really proud of. And like you say, obviously, to win a trophy with any county is something to be proud of, but like say your home county, and it was only two, three years into my professional career, so I was thinking, right, well, we can kick on here kind of thing. And But yeah, it was brilliant, and Ash Giles was really good. Obviously, you'll know him as a former Bear, but yeah, he was a really good coach. Um, but we just had a really good setup. That year was just one of them years that <clears throat> I think everything just clicked. Because even with the red ball stuff, playing a couple, I made my debut that year as well. We we were just beating teams like convincingly. I think it was just one of them years that it was our year kind of thing. It most certainly wasn't a fantastic day for Lancashire fans. A thirteen run victory over North Ants on finals day at Edgbaston. A fantastic finals day as well. Might I just yeah. add, I remember Richard Levy, I mean, unfortunately, at our expense, smacking us in, in the other semi-final, but a great yeah. day, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I actually remember Afridi played for Northampton. I, he got Brown, Brownie out, I think, and then he got Livy out the second ball, and I was in on Hatchet ball. I remember going in and Crofty was like, just see the ball, block it, get out the over, flat we go again. And I remember, I'd never face a spinner where you can hear the ball coming down, it was like literally in the air, it was going, and I was like, oh my God. And I, I, I just put me back there thinking, because obviously I, was, I batted eight, nine, ten then in them days, so I wasn't as much of a pinch hitter or whatever you want to call it now, or a batter. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking, Jesus. And then two overs after I ran Crofty out, so I was like, I've got to do something here. So I think I ended up 26 now or something, 27 now. And we, we actually bit of momentum. We hit six last ball, which I think Cobby should have caught. But um, a bit of momentum. And then we, yeah, like I say, they got off to a flyer. And from there on in, we kind of bossed the game. Uh, Paz had bowled really well, um, which suited us really. Edge bast in a bit of spin. Um, and the... Yeah, ball in second. So, yeah, it was a great day. I mean, the celebrations went on to the morning after and the day after the day after. So it was it was one of them weekends. And rightfully so. I mean, a massive moment for Lanx. I think it was the first time in about, what was it, 16 or 17 years they'd won a, a one-day trophy or a white ball trophy as well. So <laughs> yeah. it had been a long time coming for the Red Rose and obviously a fantastic day. That convincing victory over Hampshire in the semi-final. You took two for 11. You, you neglected to mention that, Aaron. Two for 11 yeah. from four overs in the semi-final. Yeah. I think I think I remember uh, sneaking up on... Did Yasser Arafat play? I think it might have been Arafat. I think mm-hmm. 
I remember sneaking up on him and bowling him, and he literally stood there like, "What's what's going on here?" And the umpire was like, "Oh, you're out. See you, pal." Kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was one of them. I think it was the semi-final was one of them games where, like, say we were so adamant that we was going to win the whole day. Um, we came out on top and just thought, "Yeah, right, it's our day," kind of thing. And as history panned out. That's what happened, wasn't it? Lancashire yeah. champions of the 2015 T20 Blast. I know that's obviously a tremendously special day in the memories of, of Lanks fans, not just up and down the country, but across the world. And yeah, another trophy to add to Lancashire's rather pronounced trophy cabinets. It is a rather big one. I think they're the third most successful county in the country. So obviously Lanks fans will be hoping for more silverware and success heading into the next few years. But Aaron, aside from the, the proud moments and the highlights, obviously your debut, that win in, in 2015, would have been tremendously special. Unfortunately, cricket isn't that simple, is it? Cricket's not just a game of highlights and good times. You do have tremendously difficult moments as well. So in terms of your time at Lanks, what do you say was your most difficult moments for the Red Rose? Um, I think, obviously, towards the back end, when I was only playing um, the 2020 stuff, Obviously, the season's really long, so you lead up, like, say, pre-season into April when the red ball stuff starts, and then you, you 2020 usually doesn't start till, well, it started then, I think, start of June into July, and obviously finals day was August. It's quite a long time to be away from the lads, the senior lads and the lads that are in the first team squads kind of thing, playing in the second team. I mean, don't get me wrong, the second team was a great environment to be in. Obviously, nobody wants to be, as a professional, nobody wants to be in the second team. There's a lot of different agendas. Obviously, there's lads coming to end of the careers, there's lads trialling, there's lads wanting to get into the first team, blah, blah, blah. So I think towards the back end, I was kind of a little bit like, is it time for me to move on? Is it, am I going to get anywhere else kind of thing? And obviously, I had a lot of friends at Lang, so I didn't really know what was next. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, I've got great memories at Langs and I've got friends for life. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just tough. Like, like say, it's my home, home county. I lived 20 minutes away from the ground. Um, family always used to come and watch because it was easy. Um, but yeah, no, I've got no hard feelings whatsoever. It's just it's one of them things in sport and professional sport, especially that you just got to get on with. It is. And sometimes you have to make those difficult decisions for the sake of your career, don't you? If you're not getting the yeah. game time, there's no point just wasting away in and around yeah. the squad if you could be getting that game time somewhere else. And before we just talk about Leicestershire <laughs> and we talk about how that move first materialised I suppose Aaron how difficult was that for you to make that decision in the moment because you mentioned that your home county all of these friends you've got your family supporting you in Lancashire Lanks is pretty much all you've known up until this point in a county setup having come through that age group system and the second 11 making your first 11 debut was there ever a moment of hesitation did you ever I suppose question that decision to make the move away from the Red Rose um I mean Obviously, it was a little bit of a club decision as well. Um, obviously, I was I was only playing one form, so they were kind of like, "Well, you're only playing one form, blah blah blah." And then that it was part of me that was like, "Well, I, yeah, I am only playing one form." Is I'm 28 or I'm 31, 48. I was 27. I was like, 
what's going forward, what's it look like? And obviously, I knew Parky was coming through. Um, and yeah, it was just, just one of them things, really. We, we kind of, I went into the end of contract meetings and it was like, oh, I've, I'd already spoken to Leicester prior to it because you can speak at a certain amount of days, you can speak to, and it kind of already sorted it with Leicester that went in and I just basically said, listen, it's, I think it's time, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we just went from there. Fair enough. So obviously a very amicable way to yeah. spend things with Lanx. And yeah, I'm glad to hear that you've still got good memories because I know that a lot of Lanx fans still have fond memories of you in a Lanx shirt as well, Aaron. So that is fantastic yeah. to hear. And I know they'll be happy to hear that on today's episodes of the podcast. But Lancashire aside, I suppose, Aaron, let's talk about your current county, Leicestershire County Cricket Club, the Running Foxes, as they're yeah. now known. Obviously, another one of the 18 first-class counties here in England and Wales. And you mentioned there about the move to Leicestershire in the first place. How did that actually first materialise? And why Leicester? Why did you choose Leicestershire as opposed uh, to any other place? Well, I actually, I'm quite good friends with Paul Horton and he was he was there um, when I first moved there. So I'd spoken to Paul in the, in the summer uh, when it was like, he was like, oh, Leicester looking for blah, blah, blah. He was captain spoken to Nico and he was like what do you fancy it and I was like oh, speak to like blah blah and then it kind of just went from there really like obviously I knew Gav Griffiths was there I knew Parky's brother Cal was there Harry Deard I knew I knew from Manx he was there so it's kind of a bit like a home away from home if you get me um but yeah I mean I can't honestly they've been great Leicester from the first day that I moved there um to now, like, say, facilitating me coming over here and stuff like that. Um, it, it's, they've been really good. And there's a lot of talk about small counties and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah, we don't have as much money as other counties do, but the people around the club are brilliant. Everyone wants the club to win trophies. Everyone wants everybody to do as well as they can. And, yeah, it's, it's just been great the last four years. I was about to say, it's probably flown by, hasn't it? That, that really has gone by very quickly. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the COVID years in there, mm. I mean, it, it's, it has gone quite fast. But yeah, like I say, I, I consider it home from home now. It's, it's, it's a great place to play cricket, uh, especially as a batter in 2020. It's very flat. Um, but yeah, we've got a great squad uh, being assembled. Nico's done a very good job. Um, obviously, Sean, the chief exec's come in and done a really good job and got Claude Henderson as a, as DOC. He's doing great and he's in contact with all the lads all the time. So I think the club's on the up and it's it's testament to them all, really, because everyone puts in 100%, 110% and everyone wants everyone to do well. Well, it certainly is a testament to, to where the club went from, to where they are now, because in the mid-2010s, Leicestershire were in crisis, essentially, weren't they? When you look at their championship performances in particular, always hovering at the bottom end of Division 2 and even in the in the white ball comps, just not really competitive at all. And all of a sudden, I'd say since the start of 2020, with that fresh leadership group, obviously new recruits definitely help. But there does seem to be a bit more you know, energy about the place now. There's more optimism, hope for the future in the East Midlands County of Leicestershire. And you mentioned there about the 
almost home away from home element to the Foxes as a club. What were your first impressions of Leicestershire as both a club and, of course, Grace Road as a home ground? Uh, I mean, obviously going from Old Trafford to Grace Road is a lot different. Um, but yeah, as soon as I arrived on day one of training, really, it was everyone was welcoming. And I think as a player going to another club, that's all you can ask for, really. Um, everybody wanted to do things for you. Um, you know, got in there, there's a coffee waiting, blah, blah, blah. You know, just small things like that that you like. Yeah, everyone wants success. Everyone literally wants success here. Everyone's giving them your 10%. Yeah, it was really good. And obviously, I'd spoken to Nico uh, prior to going into training and stuff like that and met him a couple of times. So, yeah, it was really good to get in there and meet the lads. And obviously, I knew a couple of faces, Hawks, Gav, uh, Dids and Cal Parkey. So, yeah, it was it a was nice little trip down the first trip, which was good. And now all these years later, Aaron, you're still here. So obviously yeah. they're doing something right, aren't they, down yeah. at Grace Road, a very nice <laughs> club. And obviously I would just like to say thank you to Leicestershire over the past few years. They've been very good with our podcast as well. Lots of players have come on and the club <laughs> have been absolutely excellent in facilitating us as a platform. So shout out to the Foxes of Leicestershire. We are tremendously appreciative and grateful for all of the help that we've received from them over the past three years or so. And in terms of your time, at Leicestershire, Aaron, what do you say has been your your proudest moment so far? Is the one particular innings, one particular game, which really stands out from the others per se? Um, I mean, obviously making a debut in all forms really um, is a proud moment. Uh, but I think one of the best days, well, best slash, yeah, is when I when I was ninety nine not out against Yorkshire in the T twenty. Um, I actually thought I'd hit six and thought I'd got over the line and got 100. Um, but I, I think I missed by a couple of centimetres or whatever. Um, I actually got a little bit giddy and nearly celebrated. But yeah, slowly got put back back in my box kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, over the years, we've assembled a really nice squad. Um, we've got talent in there. And we've got a bit of experience and... I think over the next couple of years, hopefully, we can all stay together. Um, we will fight. Especially, obviously, I'm, I'm not involved in the red ball stuff, um, so I, I don't really want to. I wouldn't talk about that, but I think that they're obviously trying as much as they can to perform and get better over the years. But yeah, I think with the, especially with the white ball, we've seen the last couple of years. We, I mean, we got to a quarter final, 2020. We was. We narrowly missed out last year because of a couple of things. Um, and then, obviously, this year with the 50 over comp, uh, we got to the quarterfinals and lads of, young lads have stepped up uh, when needed. And like I said, we've got, we've got a lot of talent in the squad now and we've, we've, we've got a couple of good lads in. Sol will be a great addition for us, in, especially in white ball. Um, the white ball forms and Salisbury will be a nice addition in all forms as well. Yeah, they're good recruits them. And obviously in the overseas department, having the likes of VR Morder and Naveen all hack. Yeah. Naveen has just been a sensation, hasn't he? In T20 yeah, cricket. Mean, we, we, I think we tried to sign Vian a couple of years ago and the, it was him and uh, that Aaron McNaughtier, they were, they were going to both mm-hmm. sign. Uh, but Nortia got pulled for South Africa 
and I think Vian got injured or something, and there was talk, oh, he's the next Jack's Callis, blah, 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 and we was all like, yeah. And he's, he's same again, similar to Faulkner, unbelievable cricketer. Like, just the way he practices, the way he is around the younger lad. I mean, he's a young lad himself, but he's obviously got a lot more experience at the top level than most of us. Uh, the way he is, like, talks people through the game, the youngsters when they're batting and stuff like that. He, he's been he's been brilliant and looking forward to hopefully playing the next couple of years with Vian. Um, and, yeah, Nav's been really good. Like, we get on really well, me and Nav. He's, he's a good lad. He's, he thinks I'm a bit of a joker, I think. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's good. And, like you say, to get 50 wickets in two seasons in the blast, predominantly bowling at Grace Road, the guy's a serious asset for us. And like I say, hopefully can, we can go a couple more better this year and win a couple of trophies. Well, fingers crossed, of course. And if you look at the progression since 2020, that's definitely on the cards for the Foxes in the One Day Cup and the T20 Blast. I mean, been so consistent in those competitions for the past couple of seasons. Obviously, last year, we do have to talk about this at some point, Aaron, but the T20 Blast, because that did come unravelling in rather unfortunate circumstances with that points deduction. Just for those who don't know the the background behind this, the context, it was due to multiple disciplinary reasons, wasn't it? And then you get to the, the latter stages, the business end of the group stage in 2022, and you play Northamptonshire. And this is the real flashpoint, isn't it? This is the one which ultimately leads to that points deduction. First and foremost, what actually happens on that night because it was multiple offences wasn't it first and foremost Naveen <coughs> with the two no balls and then a certain someone did have a little yeah. bit of a chat with Jimmy Neesham didn't they yeah so yeah I think we was basically one away from being done uh, <coughs> deductive points and we kind of not had warnings but at the start of the year it was like blah 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 if it happens there's a fine bang 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 you'll own up to it kind of thing and um, yeah, I think because it was we 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 needed to win. We needed to win. I think the last three or four games to kind of qualify. Um, we're playing all the teams around us, so we were playing North Ants, Yorkshire, the last game. And I think we started really well. And I think got to a point. I think Kobe and Nishan were whacking a few. And I think it got a bit squeaky one time. Um, and then we got. Nisham out and as he was like Cal, Cal gave him a little bit of a send off whatever and then as he was walking off he turned around and said something so I, I was running in from the boundary and I'm obviously pumped got a wicket massive wicket we should win it now and then it's on to Yorkshire kind of thing win that and we're through um, yeah and he just he said he turned around and called someone a yeah see you next Tuesday kind of thing and I was just like Right. But obviously, I'm pumped. I'm in his grill going, why are you taking out a young lad? I, would, I say it as I'm sticking up for the young lads. But yeah, I probably, looking back now, I probably shouldn't have gone as far. And to be fair, I didn't think I, I was that bad. But looking back, I kind of made a beeline to go and like up to him and talk to him. And I hold my hands up like, <clears throat> that's just the way, Like that's how passionate I am. That's the way I play the game. And I know sometimes it can get you into trouble, but hopefully this year we can make up for it and we can go all the way and win it.
Well, exactly. And that's the important thing, isn't it? It's about learning from those mistakes yeah. of the past. And it is a shame because obviously those circumstances cost Leicestershire in the end. And what was the, the mood like, actually, in the camp uh, after receiving that seduction? Because I from the statement on the club website, it did seem as though it was very, very miserable, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we all kind of knew as we walked off the Northlands game when we got into the uh, change rooms everyone was like oh we're done we're done I mean like, what do you mean we're done I think quite a few of us have forgot about the penalty point thing and then Cal it was actually said to me we've got too many we've encroached too many points blah 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 I was like oh jeez you know what I mean um, anyway I went into the umpire's office tried pleading my feeding myself like I'm sorry blah 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 and yeah they just went which is fair enough like they, they've seen what they've seen there's nothing I, mean, I think the club actually tried to potentially appeal I'm not sure don't quote me on it but yeah it was we we found out the night before the Yorkshire game I think or the morning of the Yorkshire game um, I think that kind of freed us up a little bit to go out and we did give Yorkshire a bit of a pumping um, but I think the lads would have been up for it no matter what, knowing that if we win, we're free kind of thing. And I actually fully believe that if, we'd have, if we wouldn't have been deducted points, we would have probably gone all the way because we were on a run of four or five games unbeaten. We'd have gone to Syria. They had a couple of their big dogs not playing. I think we would have beat them. And then obviously in the final, it's... <clears throat> kind of whatever happens happens like it's anyone's game but yeah it's just one of them things like you say you can't really dwell on it it's happened now we look to the future exactly and we'll t- we'll discuss the future in in just a second actually because that'll be a nice way to to wrap up what's been a fascinating episode of the podcast Aaron but in terms of that Leicestershire side actually just before we talk about the future in your opinion what do you think actually makes you guys so successful as a white ball outfit, because it is an interesting side, isn't it? When you look at it on paper, you'd argue that in comparison to other teams, there's not necessarily the big international superstar in that 11. And yet there seems to be such a fantastic chemistry, doesn't there, in that yeah, side? I, I think, like you say, from when we when Lance won it in 2015, when I was involved, everyone was together. Everyone was friends. Everyone got on. Everyone wanted to have success together. And I think that's, kind of what we're getting now we've played a couple of years together we've obviously kept now for the t20 we've gone for another couple of years vn came in towards the end last year and had a really good t20 comp and we've got him for next year so i feel like it's a bit of a jigsaw coming together um and claude and nico to be fair to him just tell us in team briefs and team meetings and stuff like that just go out and enjoy yourself at the end of the day 2020 is an enjoyment game it's you work hard in pre-season, in training, for you to go out and enjoy yourself and put a show on for the fans. So, yeah, that's what we're going to try and do the next couple of years, hopefully. Well, that's a lovely mentality. It really is. And, of course, for Fox's fans, yeah, maybe wear the, the, the hard hats and, and safety helmets at Grace Road then over the next couple of years. You might need them <laughs> with all of the, the six hitting which we're going on. I think Sol Budinger, what a signing he is. So underrated. Yeah. I mean, I mean the we, the Lord as he's known. Good hitter, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's a great lad as well. He's a funny guy. We we played a couple of games against him, like second team stuff, even in red ball, and he he strikes him at one thirty in red ball cricket, and it's like 
boy can play. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully in a couple of boundaries, sixes or fours, and maybe not running as many ones and twos with him. But yeah, it'd, and it'd be great. It'd be hopefully be a great year for us. Um, and like I say, hopefully I do well. But as long as the team are doing well, then I'm I'm cool with that. That's exactly the right mentality to have as well. Team first, individual accolades second. I think that's always the best way to go about your cricket, Aaron. And in terms of the future then, just to put a nice end, I suppose, a nice conclusion to today's episode, what are your future aspirations in the game of cricket? I suppose on both an individual and a team perspective, what would you like to achieve heading into the remainder of 2023 and the next few years and beyond, I suppose? Um, well, like I say, I think, obviously... Having a look, we've dipped our toe in it kind of thing the last couple of years. Like you say, the fine, not final days as much, but we, we've won games and we've finished in the top five, top four, blah, blah, blah. And we've quarterfinals. Hopefully we can, in the next couple of years, we can get ourselves into a finals day. And like, like I said before, anything can happen in finals day. You could have a day out one of the top order could go and whack 100 off 50 balls, whatever. It's 2020, anything goes kind of thing. And like I say, hopefully we can we can win trophies. And it, even if that's in red ball cricket as well, we do well. You know what I mean? As For a county and a club, we, we want to be winning things and we want lads to be success, successful. And I think that's what's happened. Obviously, Rayan's come through the academy and stuff like that and... Uh, gone on to bigger honours now playing obviously doing great on his test debut but yeah hopefully we can we can win some things this year for the fans because it's uh, been a long time hasn't it Um, yeah and go from there well Aaron it goes without saying but obviously myself and everybody associated with the Counts Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and the Foxes nothing but the very best of luck heading into the 2023 season and the years beyond I mean they are some very exciting times at Grace Road at the moment with all of that eclectic mix of young talents mixed in with the veteran players as well. Should be a good season for the Foxes, in particular in white ball crickets. Fingers crossed you can go one step further and make it to a finals day. That'd be quite fingers nice, crossed. wouldn't it? Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely, Aaron. And of course, wishing you all the best of luck myself as a fellow Aaron in the Aaron's Union. Always nice to see people called Aaron succeeding in the game of cricket. Nothing better, to be completely honest, if I'm being unbiased. But that is pretty much it from us to here for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. Aaron, before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? No, none of that stuff. I wish I, wish I did have, but I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Humble and modest. I mean, we'll probably put the Twitter in there. That's just podcast tradition. But as yeah. I said, guys, if you want to go and follow Aaron on social media, please feel free to go and do so by using the link in the podcast description below. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>